to episode 84 of Friends of Film, a podcast that's the news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Rizzo, Metting, Venom, Star Wars 8 details, possibly more Hunger Games movies, and more after we rank our top 10 movies of 2017 so far. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who's Dunkirk's biggest fan, Josh Straley. I am, and I am willing to fight to the death with anyone that says they may be a bigger fan. Okay, or- well... You may have to be prepared for that today because I think we have what? Dunkirk's second biggest fan, Colton Leakty. Hey. hey, guys. I was just walking by. I heard you guys talking about Dunkirk, so I thought I'd stop in and see what's up. Well, well we're not talking about just Dunkirk, but I'm, I'm guessing really? it'll be brought up at some point today. <laughs> okay. I can live with that, I guess. Yeah. it's. Uh, I was talking to Colton before, and I think this is his sixth time on the podcast. Well, congratulations. So Yes. we're Like we were discussing, we're aiming for double digits here. Yes. So, uh, Bring me back. Yeah, he'll be back in two weeks uh, to do the. Uh, we're going to do our top ten most anticipated for the rest of the year list. So that'll give him seven, and then you know maybe some Star Wars ones near the end of the year, and then we'll have to wait till the turn of the calendar to get you know the double digit appearance. Mm-hmm. So, but either way, always glad to have Colin uh, back on board. And as I said, we're going to do our top ten films uh, of the year so far. Uh, we'll be going around the table to do these lists, starting with me, then Josh, then Colton. We'll be going 10 through 7, then 6 through 4, and then we'll do our top three movies individually. Plus, we're going to do something brand new that we haven't done before with these lists, where after we give each of our top 10s, we are going to combine forces to try to make the Friends and Film consensus list for the best 10 movies of 2017. So... Uh, that should be interesting. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And but before we get into our actual top ten movies of the year so far, uh, you know we've we're what eight months, seven, eight months into the year so far. Yes. And there have been a lot of movies. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of good ones, but there's also been some bad ones. So before we get into honorable mentions for our top ten, uh, we have some dishonorable mentions. Colton, what are some dishonorable mentions you want to get through to start? Um, well, I've got Transformers The Last Night as a dishonorable Ooh. mention. Um, I noticed one of us had that as a most anticipated of the summer. I, <laughs> I was <laughs> Didn't want to bring thinking. that up, but... <laughs> I, I didn't know he had never seen a Transformers movie, yeah. so you got to give him a little slack for that. He didn't know what he was going to get himself into. That was arguably the worst one. I can think of maybe one good scene from that whole movie. So Was it when Anthony Hopkins just starts wrecking those Transformers? It was not. Uh, <laughs> that was actually... Uh, that. They made Anthony Hopkins bad, and that's hard to do. So It is. Yeah. It's Congratulations, true. Michael Bay. <laughs> you, did, you did yourself there. Um, another one I have, which was actually... My worst of the year for a while, uh, the Great Wall, mm-hmm. just terrible, uh, just so bad. bad. And then actually, a movie that outdid it as far as dishonorableness goes, The Circle. Just saw that a couple weeks ago. Man, that was. Uh, <laughs> I think you. I think you need to give Circle a, a no. little bit of a chance. <laughs> but I, I can't get over how bad I thought that was. Yeah, just, no, I think you definitely disliked it more than I did, but I would still put it on like, my dishonorable list because I don't think it's it's one of the worst movies I've seen of the year it, so far. It was a hit or a miss, guys. I, it was I a would, miss. I, well, <laughs> I don't think there's any arguing. It conceptually, was there was a lot there to pull from it. Yeah. But it just it missed its notes every shot it had. Yeah, that, that, I would say that's <laughs> okay. a pretty fair that, right, statement. Right. There's Tom Hanks. Shut up. Sure, there's there's Tom Hanks. You know, that has good actors, but I still think it makes a great movie. Uh, Colton covered a lot of my dishonorable mentions. The only one I'll throw in there uh, is Baywatch. 
I just didn't think it was very funny. I think both of you guys kind of disagree with me on that front, but uh, I I would say that was a I wouldn't say it was a good mention. movie, but I wouldn't call it dishonorable. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an honorable mention. It yeah. wouldn't be a dishonorable either. Okay. Well, speaking of honorable mentions, uh, I'll start off with a couple of mine. Uh, I have Power Rangers, which mm-hmm. we viewed early on in the year. I thought that was, that was a very fun movie. Uh, Okja from Netflix. Really surprising movie, right, uh, yeah. kind of disgusting in a sense, just of the food industry and everything, um, but still really powerful. And then uh, some movies that were really close to making my top 10, but just missed out. Split, uh, just great start to the year. John Wick 2, another good one early on. Oh, wow. And Guardians 2. So those are my honorable mentions. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right. Just just missed. Maybe on a, you know, a repeat viewing after... Because I've still I've only seen it twice. First time was with the uh, the crazy laughing guy, mm-hmm. and then the second the second <laughs> yeah. time was eight hours later. Okay. <laughs> so maybe if I saw it another time, then it could have bumped I it up. About but that guy. I have not. He I still haunts my nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, do you have any honorable mentions you want to get to? I do. I've got split in my honorable mentions as well. Um, but then I also have Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it was classical, romantic, and it brought the movie to life on screen, and mm-hmm. it had all the zany characters out there and musical numbers done extravagantly well. Um, and then second I have atomic blonde. It was good. It was fun. It was David Leach's probably best choreographed work I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but plot wise, story wise just couldn't really break through into uh, greatness. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I have a couple surprises. I want to, okay. they did, they didn't exactly make my honorable mentions, but uh, Power Rangers was one of those because I wasn't even going to see this movie, but it turned out to be pretty good. So or, I, I enjoyed myself yeah. watching it. So another one, this is going to surprise you guys. Don't oh make boy. fun of me. A Dog's Purpose. Really? Yes. We boycotted that. Um, I know I know the, the controversy surrounding the movie, but as a whole, it wasn't that bad. And if you're a dog lover, it'll make you tear up a little bit probably. So that's so, what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. So um, now my honorable mentions, I had... Uh, Split, um, as well as you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I said Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is an honorable mention, although I did say it's almost a disappointment because it wasn't in my top 10. Yeah, I would, I would say the same thing. I think the problem with it for me was too much exposition. If they could have dialed that down a little bit, it probably would have been in there. Mm-hmm. It was like right on the edge, though. A couple that you guys didn't mention, I have Alien Covenant. You might okay. not have been. I don't think you I were I think you were, hi- you were higher it. on that. Yeah, I, I thought it was... Actually, like I don't know, it was I thought it was better than Prometheus. Okay, um, probably the third best Alien movie. Yeah, but, but is Prometheus the the level at which you want to rank that movie? Do you want to like? It's better than Prometheus. It's yeah. like I like Prometheus. It's a quite a bit. I would I give know. it a four out of five. Alien Covenant. All right. So all right. there we go. I did like it. I, I liked Michael Fassbender in it. I mean, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest saving grace for that mm-hmm. movie. Um. Uh, one that you guys didn't mention that actually a lot of people hate this movie and I don't know why it comes at night. Okay. It was a really good, I thought it was really, really good. It just missed out on my top 10. It was just um, like sitting in the theater, watching it, getting up afterward, like me and my friend that saw the movie, we were like the only two in the theater that were like, Oh, that was, you know, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Everyone else around us is just like, I want my money back. This sucks. (laughs) So, 
I think it was just the way it ended, how it didn't. I think it was also a marketing thing. Like people yeah. were expecting it to be like a horror movie. It really wasn't that, and people didn't get what they came to see. Hmm, that's and, what like the biggest complaint I've heard from people who've seen yeah. it was just like it was the complete opposite movie that I was expecting. Which yeah, you know, I don't. I, that's not the movie's fault. That's you know marketing at that point. Yeah, I thought it was very well done. Well, I'll have to take yeah. a look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm always down for a horror movie that doesn't. Uh, play by the traditional rules. Yeah. yeah. Plus, there's Joel Edgerton, and mm-hmm. I mean, when is Joel Edgerton yeah. ever not good? There's actually a lot of suspense in it too. I was, that's what it looks like. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> well, that that's those are our honorable mentions. We'll get into our uh, top ten of the year so far. Uh, I'm going to start off with my number ten uh, movie. I have a couple new additions to the list that we have not ever talked about on the podcast. This is one of them, Colossal. Uh, it's a very small movie directed by Nacho uh, Vigalando, starring Anna Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, and both of them are just incredible. Probably both of their best performances um, mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. They're both hilarious, but also Jason Sudeikis gets to go really dark at a certain point in the movie, which can work and cannot work depending on you know, I guess your preferences, because there is a very drastic tonal shift that happens, but when it happened i was just all on board for it so it didn't bother me at all but it's just it's a such a cool premise where like there's this kaiju running around japan and destroying things and it's like popping up out of nowhere and it disappears and like then both of them are tied into like its connections somehow i don't want to give anything away but it is it is super unique and i would definitely recommend uh, you know trying to find that movie i think it's out on, on dvd probably on yep. Redbox or something now so uh if you haven't seen colossal i would highly recommend it because it's uh it's it's just a super interesting movie and one of those that you're kind of surprised it's it is an indie like it is just kind of a self-made movie because it has some pretty good special effects what it's dealing with but also just kind of the subject matter and everything the performances the cast uh really great stuff uh then my number nine is uh detroit uh, directed by Catherine bigelow it uh, just has a great ensemble, John Boyega, uh, you know, Anthony Mackie, uh, mm-hmm. Will Poulter, everybody in there does their job as an actor. But then I think it, depending on, you know, who you are and how you watch this movie, I guess you can come away from it maybe thinking that didn't do justice to the, the topic at hand and, you know, p- uh, police brutality and racism and everything. But I thought Bigelow did a really good job of handling it. And it's the highlight is definitely in the second act of the movie when, you know, it is the police first, you know, the uh, hotel um, attendees and everything. And it is it is gripping and thrilling and uh, horrifying. It is a really timely movie uh, for what's happening, you know, just today and age. Um, So I would I would recommend seeing it, even if you maybe do think that she may not may not handle it well. I think just the experience. is worth your time. So uh, one I would recommend there. Then my number uh, eight is the Lego Batman movie. Uh, yeah. Just so fun uh, from start to finish. Uh, whether it's like all like, you know, just like the opening, just all black voiceover of you know, <laughs> it, it, Will Arnett. It is, it is so funny and just building off of the Lego movie. You never know if like a spinoff's going to work. And like this one did exceptionally well. Uh, I would, just you know laughing hysterically the voice cast is just phenomenal uh you know the joker batman dynamic is great uh you know robin is just hilarious <laughs> michael Sarah uh gets to have some really funny stuff to do in there so that was just like one that it was just 
pure joy in a sense where like it kind of has like that endless rewatchability factor because you can kind of start it whenever and Mm -hmm. it'll you'll get you can get hooked in immediately just Mm -hmm. because of the jokes and the adventure so uh really fun one and then my last one for this section at number seven is spider-man homecoming uh directed by john watts uh tom holland obviously coming off of captain america civil war this was again just pure pretty just pure fun from start to finish uh huge i'm obviously a huge mcu fan so uh i'm not surprised really that i loved this movie so much that isn't my top 10 um i'm a little surprised this low uh because but i think that's also just a testament to the rest of the movies that come out this year not necessarily uh anything personally against this movie in particular but you know if you know, maybe it had a little bit more memorable action. It could have bumped up a little bit, but I mean, yeah. Michael Keaton as the Vulture is probably one of Marvel's best villains to date so far. So, uh, lots of great things there, and obviously, can't wait to see the rest of Spidey's uh, future in the MCU. So, those are my ten through seven. Josh, what do you got? All right. Well, at number ten, I have Guardians of the Galaxy two. Surprised that didn't break in. Yeah, uh, just just off. You. Yeah, um, but it was it's a perfect continuation to the first story. Um, I thought that the, the the soundtrack and use of Baby Groot were all like perfect, like fan service follow ups to uh, everything that we got to taste uh, in the beginning. So that was phenomenal. And then um, acting wise, everyone brought it. And we just kind of got to go deeper with those characters. It wasn't super new. And maybe that was the complaint mm-hmm. from some people. I don't know. But uh, I totally dug it. Um, but number nine, I, I'm going to go off on Lego Batman 2. And when you said endless rewatchability, that is true. Because this is the movie that circulates um, in my family's house constantly. <laughs> it's on the DVR. And there's not there's not been a time I've come home one week and seen the movie in some form or the other, you know, whether it be like the very beginning or just after super, he hits up Superman's yeah. place. And yeah, it, it works so well as Batman satire as, you know, just <laughs> going to like the core of who Batman is and like what his relationship is with those, uh, his characters and his rogue gallery and kind of like getting to the heart of uh, what it is and the relationship between Zach Galifianakis and Will Arnett, Batman and Joker is is hilarious because once you see it like that, uh, you can't watch The Dark Knight and not see it that way anymore. <laughs> and it's it it almost ruins that movie, but it's it makes it so much funnier. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. Rosie or Dawson. Um, there is also Robin, who is played by Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, thank you. Yeah, and just that adorable like approach to Robin is so memorable mm. and so fun. Um, I can't say enough about that. Yeah. Uh, number eight, I have Get Out. And now this is the only movie on my list that had Bradley Whitford. And I'm a massive West Wing fan. <laughs> and I don't know if that played a part in it or not. But also, I never thought I would see Jordan Peele direct a movie like this. Like, I didn't know his range. And, of course, I all we all assumed it was comedy. But the the marketing for this horror movie, unquote, which it mm-hmm. was, but just took it took the turn into um like a psychological social thriller uh that explored you know so many modern day like things that i've tried to do like i I sat in that movie and i thought oh my gosh i've done that i have said (laughs) something like that um 
especially after Moonlight had come out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, I hadn't seen it yet, but I was like, oh, I bet I'm sure that's probably really good. And then it forced me to examine, you know, how I was thinking about it. And there's just there's so many good jokes and memes that have come out of that, you know. Uh, and I really appreciate it. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Thank you. Yeah. So good. Allison Williams. I hadn't seen her, but from like an episode of girls once Mm -hmm. and she did terrific and uh katherine keener as well uh fantastic and then i number seven though i have john wick the movie is pure adrenaline Uh, i'm so glad to see keanu reeves you know back on screen and you know getting finding his groove again um also though ian mcshane and uh common do great job it was a little bit disappointed that ruby rose didn't have Mm -hmm so much of a purpose in the movie but just the the intensity and the care that go into goes into all of all of that the execution of the gung fu i think that's what they call it right mm-hmm. yeah yep. uh incredible uh so so cool um story-wise it left a lot of hanging threads um but i mean lord finch fishborn shows up in the third act he doesn't kick butt but just his presence uh and having a matrix reunion on screen was super cathartic yeah uh but that's my 10 through 7 all right uh my number 10 is actually detroit um movie that we just saw last week Mm -hmm. um i actually had it a little higher at first but i i had to give some time to think about it because like coming out of the movie you are just like floored by it kind of in a way that that whole second act is just insane um what else do i have about this let's see the acting john boyega is cool to see him in not star wars and not the circle for sure (laughs) (laughs) um yeah just i mean he didn't do bad in the circle it was just like he had nothing to do in that yeah it was like so i add him yeah i mean he was great in this um anthony mackie makes an appearance um i'm trying to will poulter was terrifying as Mm. the you know the lead cop or whatever it was Mm -hmm. just it was I I also liked how they actually showed like not every cop was like right. an evil racist or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. it made it more believable in that way. Like I know that there were a lot of cops at that time in Detroit that were racist, but you know, not all of them were like that. And mm-hmm. I guess it was kinda nice to see that dynamic of it, but at the same time, you know, how the how the movie plays out, you just kind of are left going, I can't believe that this has actually, you know, happened in our history in America, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one was an eye opener. Um, number nine, I actually have the Lego Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the things you guys said, um, it was clever. A lot of pop culture references. I loved all the references <laughs> to like not just Batman movies, but other movies in particular, like yeah. Jerry Maguire stuff right. like that. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, Michael Sarah's Robin obviously a standout there. Um, I actually like love the scenes where they like where he's just like making the lobster in the microwave, just standing <laughs> yeah. there waiting, waiting for it. There, there's like the one scene outside of the Fortress of Solitude with Superman, where Batman's just standing there and he's like watching Robin just like climb the. I don't know, it's just like complete silence. You just hear <laughs> like the whole. I don't know, it's just in the worm uh, that has yeah. me dying every time I watch it. And then like the line where he's like, "Are there gonna be cookies or, <laughs> or what are the policy on eating cookies or something yeah. like that oh man it was great i actually a friend this week was just watching it and he he watched like 20 minutes of it and he was like five or five ticket stops <laughs> you know so <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely got that rewatchability like you said um my number eight is john wick two okay. sounds like we have a lot of the same mm-hmm. movies here um yeah john wick two i just um the over the top nature of it, I guess, in a way, like towards the end there with everybody, <laughs> I just like it's not like so over the top where you're like taken out of it. It's just mm-hmm. uh, 
I don't know. It's just it just makes it cooler. Like the world building that goes on in this movie compared to the first one. I actually this might not be a popular opinion, but I prefer the second one. No, over way. the first one. That, I told you. I said it's not a popular opinion. It's not. But well, I mean, I guess if Josh if Josh agrees, then it, my opinion's not popular. I love, one. <laughs> yeah, that whole like second act where he's just running from everybody and everyone's yeah. trying to kill him. I just I love that. Just like <laughs> the random like the violinist the. You know the big sumo guy, just like all of them, <laughs> yeah. like trying to kill him and stuff. It's, uh, it's so good. And the character progression of Thomas Sadowski, yeah. uh, is is so important to that film. In that, yeah, the world building in, in general just makes it better for me. I think mm-hmm. in a way because they just add so much to it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the fight scenes, mm-hmm. you know, the common they're, one they're, still. They're just my as favorite. good as the first one. What the common subway where they're just like, yeah, where they're just like <laughs> they have the silencers and they're yeah, just like shooting so at each good. other from across the way. Yeah, that's it's hilarious and yeah, just great. Um, let's see, number seven here. Yes, um, I have. I want. Okay, so before I say this, seven through four on my list are all interchangeable. Okay, it's really hard for me to say which one's better. I got Wonder Woman at number seven. Okay. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was extremely well made. Um, it actually, the one thing I would say that I have it down a little bit is just the villain in particular, mm-hmm. just because uh, the rewatch it like it worked for me like really well the first time. I don't know if it did for you or not, yeah. but this you know after that it just kind of like that guy becomes a spoiler alert. I guess he just yeah. <laughs> kind of becomes uh, pointless in a way, yeah. just a throwaway character. But like the first time, it definitely worked for me. Uh, but you know, the reason, like another reason to rejoice for wonder woman, I guess, is it's finally a good, uh, not a good, a great DC (laughs) movie. It was like, it's one of the better superhero movies that I Mm -hmm. think have come out in the last 10 years. So it was great to finally see DC get something right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, my number six is one, uh, you know, I think, uh, Cole or Josh, you mentioned earlier, uh, get out, uh, directed by Jordan Peele. I mean, I can't I, I can't say enough really about this movie, um, which is why like it was very tough to put like knock this out of my top five. But uh, I mean, it, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya just puts in just a great performance. And like I saw like his Black Mirror episode a couple months before this movie came out, and oh, I was yeah. like, wow, this dude's like really good. And then like he's he in, is he in Sicario? Is he yeah, because like, yeah, he's I just uh, thought about that. He's Emily Blunt's yeah, like yeah. best friend. Yeah, cool, cool. And then he's supposed to, he's in Black Panther next year. So I mean, mm-hmm. this guy is just. Just at the start of his career, really. And it's it's so... T- I don't mean to cut into what oh, you're no, saying here, no but just it's so telling it. They let... They linger the camera on him so much. Uh, I mean, Peel really, like, holds it there and lets mm-hmm. that dude act. And he just... He, he got a, such a good performance. Right. I mean, the part... Like, when he's, like, getting taken to the sunken place and, like, there's just, like, tears just streaming. I was like... Yeah. Like, man, this guy is just bringing, like, his A-game. And, like, his, uh, his like... NSA like buddy or whatever like that guy is that guy is just so so funny like where he's just like like when he's talking to Allison Williams on the phone he's like oh no you crazy like there there's just so much great stuff in there and I mean yeah Allison Williams is just like and then just like when she is like try like, acting like she's still on his side and like oh yeah we're gonna get away and she's like mm-hmm. crying on the stairs and then like just in an instant she snaps out of it and just like oh you mean these keys, you know, and, you're, the keys and you're like yeah. oh oh my gosh like like it is it does such a great job like even though you see all that stuff coming you're still like shocked when it actually happens and a lot of that goes jordan peele 
I mean, like the running man challenge, I think you alluded to that, Josh, <laughs> like uh, some, some great stuff yeah. uh, have come out of this movie and like also great conversations. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's just so much good stuff about it that it, it was just, it was like easily one of like the best surprises of the year so far, because I didn't really know much about it beforehand. And then I was just like, saw it one of the best theater experiences of the year as well, just because <laughs> it was, I saw it with a packed crowd and they were just loving the whole thing. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a ton of fun. So uh, my number five then is Wonder Woman, uh, echoing a lot of things Colton just mentioned. Uh, or Yeah, and uh, it was just so just reassuring to see DC put out this movie and you're like, all right, I can breathe a little easier because if this movie would have turned out yeah, like Justice League, like, it makes you a lot. It's more yeah, for that. if if this movie would have turned out like BVS or Suicide Squad, I'd been like, oh crap! Like, if Justice League doesn't hit, like they're totally screwed. Now Justice League can still, as long as it's well received, they can continue on. But like, even if it even if it gets you know average reviews or doesn't break the billion dollar mark of the box office or whatever, they still have Wonder Woman and. Yeah they can just do like, all right, whatever. We'll scrap every other plan and just do Wonder Woman movies for the rest of eternity because that's going to work. I mean, as long as Patty Jenkins is on board, I'm on board to see countless Wonder Woman movies, uh, even if they do bring back Chris Pine for whatever reason. Uh, you know, Gal Gadot, she was just great in the leading role. I agree with you. The villain is definitely the biggest problem, especially on the rewatch because, like you said, everything with that character, then you're just like – Okay, you don't matter, so <laughs> you're getting a lot of screen time just for like a twist that you don't really need that much. Um, but I mean, the the chemistry between Pine and Godot is just incredible. You buy a little love story instantly, and I mean, it's just such. It was I don't want to say it was like a fun movie because it like it wasn't in a sense, but like when Wonder Woman steps out into no man's land, that's one of like the most memorable scenes of the year, probably so far. And you know, of comic books, mm-hmm. uh, comic movies of all time. I agree with you. It's one of the best ones, um, that have come out in the last 10 years of all time. Um, it'd probably be one of my 10 best, uh, comic movies. Um, oh, yeah. for sure. And, uh, another one that I would go in there would be Logan, which is my number four. I mean, Hugh Jackman's last ride, uh, super emotional uh but we also get you know daphne keen breaking out as x23 she is uh, just incredible with not only just her her quietness and still being able to connect with that character but also once she turns it on uh what not just in her action but also just interacting and her relationship with uh logan just it just hits you like really well uh Again, I wish the villain was a little stronger. I didn't love X twenty four. I I get obviously get what they're going for, but it just was a little on the nose of like, oh, Wolverine's greatest enemy is himself. I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I get it. We, yeah. uh, but ultimately, uh, that I'm not gonna just hate the movie because of that. There was so much other great stuff, like just the quiet parts where you know it's him and X twenty three driving across the country, or it's all of them in that family's house and there's having dinner and just kind of relaxing and taking like a moment to enjoy life. Uh, there's so much, so much great stuff to pull from this movie. James Mangold did an excellent job with it. Um, and it's just such a fitting end to Wolverine's legacy. It's, I mean, Wolverine will probably continue on at some point, but at least Hugh Jackman's run to see him go from 2000 to 2017 mm-hmm. 
and end with his best movie undoubtedly is uh poetic <laughs> so yeah uh, great way to send it off and that's uh those are my six through four all right awesome um all right well uh, number six for me would be spider-man homecoming um spider-man is probably my favorite superhero uh sometimes him and batman are interchangeable depending on what i'm would have gotten myself into pop culture wise with him um but first of all tom is the best spider-man peter parker combo that we've had uh you know tell me Tobey Maguire was a great Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield was a great Spider-Man. This guy hits all of the right notes, the perfect, um, the perfect middle ground, the, the sweet spot for the character. And while I was ultimately disappointed with how much of his world that we get to see, the parts that they did give us were excellent. Um, seeing him at school with his best friend Ned, uh, played by Jacob Battalone, who absolutely kills it. And then just the parts that, I don't know, maybe were boring for most people. But the, the the idea that Peter has to deal with lame or disinterested or dispassionate teachers or ones that are fa- faking enthusiasm <laughs> or just, you know, trying to do their job so they can get home with like uh, Martin Starr and Hannibal Buress, uh, they remain um, to me some of my favorite moments just with their deadpan and their comedy and their interactions with living in the superhero world. I, th- I think it's Hannibal Buress that's, watching Captain America on screen. And he's just like, I think this guy's technically a war criminal now, but uh, whatever, you know, it's just, (laughs) it was like those two things all coming together was absolutely hilarious. Um, But then Michael Keaton, I think you said this already, Cooper. Yeah. he, (laughs) The guy is a phenomenal actor and maybe that's why I'm loving his villain so much, but also that they made um, Toomey. I can't even think of the guys. Adrian Uh, Toomey. Yeah. Tombs. Um, they made his villain so mundane. Mm-hmm. He had no, he had no, you know, uber super ambitious goals to take over the world. There was no need for any, you know, new the entire city of New York's in trouble or whatever the case is. Uh, there was none of that. Instead, he's just, you know, turns out to be a parent with his kid in high, the same high school as Peter Parker's, you know, doing his thing. And uh, I love that part about it. And yes, you're totally right. It didn't make for any phenomenal action, but the the joy of watching Peter Parker, you know, um, bumble through the uh, streets of Queens and New York City trying to figure out his powers was uh, was delightful enough for me. And I think that's, mem- that's so memorable. Um, number five, I have Wonder Woman. Um, for all the reasons you said, uh, when you were talking about the trench scene, when you watch that, that's the most, it's the most feel good part of the movie. It's so aspirational mm-hmm. and, you know, inspiring. Um, especially because once we get off the mascara, the, the trail through London and through most of uh, Europe is just gloomy and terrible. And you realize how much these people have like, you know, no, nothing to prod them on at this point because trench warfare is so miserable. And then when she steps out there and you can't help but like think, oh yeah, this is it. This is finally hope. And then you see all the men, you know, kind of get out of the trench and fall over into battle. And that just feels so epic. Um, Sir Patrick, yeah, you can't say enough of how awful that is. I love the idea that she realizes mankind is, going about their business, killing each other, even without Ares mm-hmm. in the world. That was a great note, but to have Sir Patrick show up and then die instantly, um, you know, well, that whole yeah, Especially sequence. like, but like 
even before that, like General Lindendorf or whatever his name oh, is, yeah. it's like second time you're just like, I don't care about anything that you're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, like the dramatic like killing of him. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, well, I know there's somebody else out there. Yeah. Also, the kind of played like over the top too, which yeah, I, which kind of didn't match the tone of the rest of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. Like that one scene where he gasses the whole room. Mm-hmm. That yeah. scene, that whole scene, just like in particular, was like. That doesn't match any of the tone. Like he's just like ah, like an evil yeah, villain laughing a, and stuff. Yeah, it came across as comedy when yeah. they he tosses the gas in there and then he runs away with uh, Doctor Poison. I was they don't like, know what? that the mask w- doesn't work. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> um, uh, Chris Pine can't say enough about that man's charisma. I think that movie was like a pivot for him. Like, like I know people already thought of him like this, mm-hmm. but I, I just think it, he's going to take his career to the next level. And then also the lasso of truth. The way they handled that, especially with uh, Chris Pine oh, yeah. uh, picking it up in the halls of uh, the British Parliament, where he's just like, "I promise you, we're going to go to war now, and you're going to fight Ares or whatever." It's like, "What am I? What am, who am I kidding? We're all going to die." This you know? is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and then just the coming out party for Gal Gadot uh, uh, as Diana, a wonderful actress who I hope just you know continues to kill it in this role and you know everything else. Um, and then number four, I've got. War for the Planet of the Apes. I, Andy Serkis and everyone else behind him in those mocap were just phenomenal. But this, and then of course you can't say enough about how well um, of a job, how good of a job that Woody Harrelson did playing the Colonel. Um, sadistic and vile and evil, but also rational in the way he was acting. Um, at least to him himself, but then Matt Reeves constru- when then Matt Reeves had written a story, you know, over top of it about apes trying to achieve parity with mankind, and the, the watching those ideas conflict on screen more than actual and more than an actual war of man and humans, uh, I, I think made for a wonderful movie, mm-hmm. and you know, just to look at to look at an ape on screen and think, I can't tell if that's an ape suit or a real ape or a CGI ape was uh, just phenomenal. It, I think a lot, I think some people pegged it for being slow and boring, but uh, there's the, there was a, there was a quiet movie that moved through its narrative that I just found wonderful. And that's it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, my number six is Logan, which you guys have both touched on, so I won't get into it too much. I just want to say it's the Wolverine movie we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the best X-Men movie. X-Men Close. First Class is my is up there, too, mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah, that's... I don't know what else to say about it. You guys pretty much touched on it. It was brutal. It was everything I was hoping to see yeah. before Hugh Jackman retires from Wolverine. So, <laughs> and it, it was a great send off. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was great. Um, my number five, which you just touched on is war for the planet of the ah. apes. Um, I wanted to put this higher. I really did. But it, like I said, it's interchangeable with a lot of these. So um, I think the strong or there's a strong first act and act in particular here. Um, I really liked the way you said about the narrative. I liked how it was slow and everything. Like, well, not necessarily slow. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people would call it slow, but it was like really engaging. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen to these guys the whole time. And then in the second act, you get to that and you think, oh, I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't go that way. It's just, yeah, it's it's great. And like just the uneasiness and heartbreak it makes you feel throughout the movie. Um, just, yeah, the motion capture is just insane. Uh, yeah, that's 
pretty much all I got out of these. I mean, uh, I I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite one of the three. It's, it's definitely in the discussion, obviously, but Dawn has some of those moments with Koba that are really hard to beat for me. But yeah, yeah. it's the first time they introduced, like you think of apes engaging in politics Yeah, and Mm -hmm. to watch that struggle with uh, Caesar and Koba, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to top. Plus there's Gary Oldman. Yeah. I really, yeah. But I mean like with the war for the planet of the apes, I really appreciated how they didn't go for the big, like spectacle action scenes. Which uh, could have ruined it, mm-hmm. honestly. Like it's, so. it's big as spectacle is like almost like unneeded and almost yeah. like it. It's like it's so it could have been so much bigger, but they just like end it so quickly where it's like it kind of just reassures you that this isn't the movie. Like this is even though it's called War for the Planet of the Apes, this isn't a war movie. It's just like mm-hmm. avalanche. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did like how that kind of just like ended everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the endings just like. Sometimes I prefer endings like that because you don't see them coming. I didn't really necessarily see this one coming, but I almost was like, no, like at the end. So, yeah, yeah, I'd probably spoil a little bit there without (laughs) even saying anything. But, you know, um, we're in in spoiler territory. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Number four is Get Out. Hmm. So clever, so entertaining. Um, just yeah like you guys touched on the the main performance there just the whole social critique that it presents um just everything about this was just entertaining from start to finish like you said it was probably was my my greatest uh movie going experience of the year so far mm-hmm. just everyone was so into it you know cheering and all this other stuff so yeah it was it was great the <laughs> the one scene that i wanted to touch on that that gets me a lot is like the scene where he's just like talking to uh what's her name it starts with a g like the the maid oh yeah in the house um she's like talking to him about something and she starts like crying randomly and yeah. like and there's just a close-up on his face the whole time and that i love that scene for some <laughs> for whatever reason i just yeah uh like there's like moments throughout like that throughout the movie where it just like shows his uneasiness by just focusing on his mm-hmm. face just like his reactions with like the people around the house too i mean it's it's played for like kind of creepiness but it's you know it's comedic as well yeah. so mm-hmm. it's it was great mm-hmm. yeah that, that's a really good point like depending mm-hmm. on the lens you view that movie mm-hmm. you can you can laugh your way through some of it or a lot of it that the first time that you were kind of just like oh no right, what, yeah. what's that mean <laughs> oh no there's definitely a couple jump scares in it but yeah i mean they're 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 not like cheap mm-hmm. yeah so, they work they yeah, work really they, well they definitely work so that's that's what i got for that Alrighty, uh, as that goes on to our top three, so we're going to do these, as I said before, we're going to do them individually. So my number three uh, movie that I just have loved since I saw it the first time, Baby Driver. Oh, yeah. uh, it is, I think it may be Edgar Wright's finest work, but it's close between that and Scott Pilgrim for me. Uh, Scott Pilgrim's a lot of fun. This one is just as fun. Ansel, and then you'll look at the cast, and Ansel Elgort is just so smooth and calm and collected, but he's also... You know, he gets, he shows like some some fear, um, some angst as well. I thought he was really good. Then you know you have John Bernthal, John Hamm, uh, Isa Gonzalez, uh, Kevin Spacey, uh, Jamie Foxx. Like that has such just a great supporting cast around it that uh, there's never really a, a dull moment on screen. And plus, when you're ever gonna do, we talked about a lot when we reviewed the episode, but like that opening or the. Not the opening sequence, but the the second sequence, the the one shot is the title credits is yeah. um, just amazing. I 
I, can, I cannot fathom how much practice went into that scene because there's so much just great stuff. And like they even went to the uh, the level to uh, in post to add in like the lyrics to the words on like on lamp posts or on the walls um, just to kind of liven it up even more. But it was just it's so such a fun movie. The car chases are great. It also gets incredibly violent at certain points, which Edgar Wright uh always kind of does in his movies and they're all it's always unexpected but then it, it never like br- like feels like it's breaking the mold of that movie it always yeah. seemed like at the end of the day oh it fits even though somebody just got stabbed right in the chest or mm-hmm. got ran over by a car it's like that's that that normally would like kind of take you out of a movie but you're like oh that, that happened but i i believe that happened in this world i guess um yeah. it's just it's such a clever movie um one that i know i'll rewatching endlessly whenever it comes out either whether it's the full movie or just the opening car chase or uh the one take and then you know the soundtrack as well is just great uh you know whenever uh bell bottoms comes on in my car or something uh, it's (laughs) it's hard not to just you know get a little get a little Mm -hmm. fun yeah yeah i gotta do the dance slap your head a little bit and uh just have some fun so uh that's my number three all right awesome well i guess i'm batting cleanup on logan uh, I yes. haven't talked about it yet, but it, uh, this is not only is this my favorite superhero movie, my favorite movie that has Hugh Jackman in it, um, or do I think it's the best uh, X-Men film that Fox has done, but it's just it's just an overall good movie any way you come at this. Um, you know, his his inspiration for it was old westerns, and... You see that influence um, anytime you pair it up with, uh, you know, uh, any of the, you know, the classic, um, I can't even think of the guy's name anymore, that shoots Clint Eastwood films or, uh, you know, just all the old spaghetti westerns Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, But this, this, this take on it is there are no heroes anymore. And, you know, Hugh Jackman, uh, Wolverine makes that super clear by even like saying all the X-Men are gone or dead. And Mm -hmm. it it, it digs to the heart of um, the myths about, you know, superheroes and things like that. It's not afraid to get meta with the comics and all of that. And seeing Hugh Jackman play, play out not even a pained Wolverine anymore, but so disinterested in the pain that he's done Mm -hmm. for the last 16 years, you know, where he's disgruntled and all that. It was, it was different in this film. And, you know, when Steven Merchant, I think his character brings it up to him and he's just like, dude, you're looking to die. And it's fairly obvious. And, you know, that was when I was like, oh, wow, that's something that you never thought about through a lot of the other movies. As much as he hated the world, he was never looking to, you know, mm-hmm. kill himself or anything like that. But you can't say enough about uh, Daphne Keene. Um, just <laughs> the violence that they make that kid do in the movie with X-23 um, is so epic. But also her relationship with Logan uh, is, I think, is a duel for the ages in film um the fact that she is like i don't know a a bilingual kid uh acting her butt off at like age 10 you know with him as they trek their way up north uh is so incredible like when she pulls him or pushes him off to the side and starts driving not once not once have i been like oh that's a little bit over the top man like no totally capable you know and then the world that they put this in um a lot of people have, you know, apocalyptic views about, you know, where we are today. But 
is probably oversold, but just the the, the place that they constructed uh, fits so well with what we've been known about the X-Men world so far that it worked perfectly. And then, of course, like the reflections on violence and the Professor X uh, and that relationship, seeing that, seeing both those guys, Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman and their careers um, like that on screen was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to mention, I forgot to do this, Boyd Holbrook in that movie. Oh, yeah. I think I think he is just phenomenal. Uh, he Once he gets sidelined for... Um, the other villain mad scientist guy that I can't think of his name mm-hmm. and the next 24. I'm just like that. That's when that movie, if it's going to lose somebody, I think that's when it could lose them because I think him as Donald Pierce is such a great, just, you know, he's not, you know, this mega powerful villain that's going to, you know, go toe to toe Wolverine, but he's, he cannot think him. He can bring his entire army with him, uh, surround his house and be like, Hey, I bet uh, that's where old egghead or whatever he calls him is. I yeah. bet he's, I bet he's in that old water tower. Like, He's he's so good and just con- like uh, he's I loved it and it's the southern accent too I don't know what it was but when as soon as he started talking like that because he has that confrontation mm-hmm. with him in the limo once that scene ended I was like oh we are in for a real yeah. treat yeah uh, Richard E Grant when they brought him in the movie yeah. does take a turn and then yeah. expostulate with X twenty four yeah. Okay, uh, number three for me actually talking about these movies just. I almost wanted to switch it right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it's not finalized. Uh, like, say like my like my uh, seven through four, my top three are all interchangeable all right, as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to go ahead and stick with what I got here. Uh, number three, I got Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, easily, easily could be my number one any other year. It was. It's just. It's so rewatchable. It's got such an intense second act. Um, you know, another edge of your seat thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, the the choreographed action scenes are fantastic. The music matching up with the you know yes the, everything that they do, like especially the opening scenes, is just crazy how they're able to pull that off. Uh, what else was I going to say about this one? I lo- I love the scene with uh, where Kevin Spacey has his nephew. Oh <laughs> yes, uh, his nephew. That was so just good. like just so ran- that was so Edgar mm-hmm. Wright like. I guess, yeah, just like if if anything, like if you if you forget you're watching an Edgar Wright movie, that scene will definitely, you know, point you. <laughs> towards oh yeah, it. Mm-hmm. yeah. I would say, uh, yeah, Edgar Wright's definitely one of those directors that you gotta watch his stuff day one because yes. he's definitely proven himself. I would say it's hard to say it's his best movie. With uh, you know, I lo- I love Hot Fuzz. I love Scott Pilgrim. So. It's it's up there though. It it could be number one after you know. Give it a year and mm-hmm. let me think about it. Sure, <laughs> I might put it number one. So yeah, that's. My I think it's three. his most profitable movie now because it crossed a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. domestically today. So yeah, I mean yeah. the cast is great it's too. Great. So that's what that's another thing. Like Jamie Fox in particular Yo. was just oh, he's he was so like good. menacing and yeah, just crazy. Just that whole yeah second act with him was just like no idea where it's going to go. Yeah. Just think so. just a few years ago, he was electro uh, yes. moving on uh, to <laughs> my number two. <laughs> That's the comeback. That's the comeback of the century right there. Right. I think uh, my number two is a movie. You guys have both touched on already. War from the apes. Oh, um, wow. It that is. It that's it was before we started recording. And then I switched it. So uh, it is uh, just a movie that just, I don't know. It, yes. It, it may be slow, but it is just so you're just so like, 
taken into that world where you're just like, I, I want to just watch monkeys ride horses across the snow. Mm-hmm. I'll do that for 10 minutes. Sure. Why not? <laughs> like it, like yeah. it may not sound like the most exciting thing, but at that point you're, you're invested in that journey and you want to see like, you know, can Caesar, you know, get revenge and go take out Woody Harrelson only to find out that Woody Harrelson's basically got smarter than him already. And that you know, the entire ape civilization is now at risk. So, uh, it's just so smart. Uh, Matt Reeves did it just a great job directing this movie. Andy Serkis, I mean, come on. This guy, if he doesn't get some sort of special Oscar or at an actual nomination you know, this year, I mean, what is the Academy even doing? They need to recognize him for all of his motion capture work. I mean, it is just remarkable, the stuff he does. And then, I mean, it just... The, the way they explore the apes and they kind of, they build out this trilogy, they end it in such a in a definite way, but also in the way that kind of leaves it open for more, depending on, you know, kind of whatever the studio wants, they can, they can bring it back if they want, but if they don't, it's Mm -hmm. like, that's a great way to end it. I love, I want to say though, when you think of that last shot, Mm -hmm. I'm always reminded of the first shot of the the series, the trilogy, it's them being captured and put into crates and shipped off. Mm -hmm. And then the final scene of that trilogy, if you will, is, finally freedom right or, you know the promised land and yeah I, think I always always love that that's great so yeah that's uh that's my number two. Oh, okay um i've got baby driver at number two uh and it's for everything that you guys have said just the the old-fashioned car chases you know the the some of the most clever stuff i have seen you know in a getaway movie in a job movie in a in a heist movie if you uh, all of that phenomenal cast yeah, I think that's like I think that's the second best part of this movie. Uh, Ansel Elgort playing a, a witty, smart, kind of weird kid, but also fun and charismatic. Uh, well, not charismatic, but just fun and earnest mm-hmm. is the I think is the word I'm looking for. Um, Lily James, I still believe, is criminally underwritten, and I don't know if I'm going to forgive the movie for that. But she is terrific. Um, Her her and Ansel's chemistry together uh, is something for the ages. Uh, And then Berthal Ham, what can you say? Jamie Foxx, yeah. Kevin Spacey, we we already know why we love him. Mm -hmm. Um, But the movie is, I think I said this in my review, but it's a a love letter to why we love music. Um, You know, like when I see him whipping out his iPod and scrolling through music, Get trying to pick the perfect song for what he's about to do, what uh, you know the job, and then click click play and then get things done. Like I I do that all the time. Like that's me. Mm-hmm. And I just thought Edgar sums up our relationship with music uh, perfectly. In like you know the meta moments where we see that when you think of that first five minutes, that first scene, that first car chase, and then you flip to the first heist he's pulling off of Jamie Foxx where he misses the beat and he has to rewind them. Yeah. yeah, He tells everybody, hold up, hold up. All right, now go once Mm -hmm. everything's back in tune. Uh, Yeah. And it's awesome. Um, Brogan Hall, uh, Kevin Spacey's nephew. (laughs) That's that scene is uh, so perfect. (laughs) Um, But then uh, also the, I I never stop laughing about uh, baby and his tape recorder and just, you know, yeah absolutely like it's such a cool jam and uh not just him doing it but also when they find out about it and just the look on everyone's face like it's so inconsequential to the entire movie Mm -hmm. that scene didn't need to be there but everyone's just like 
what's going on, baby? And then they start playing him and they're like, oh, this kid yeah. is so weird. He, he is just so embarrassed at that point. But then, yeah, that moment where beforehand they're all like, nobody can make up a dumber excuse than this. Just tell us what's actually going on. And then they're like, then they play it. And he's mm-hmm. just like, oh, crap. Like, yeah. And then a, they're just like, this too. dude's an idiot. With the, like, just the genius of the movie is like, even a scene like that towards the beginning of the movie with him making that, where you're just like, that just, it's cool, but it doesn't have any significance. Mm-hmm. Like every little thing like that has something important towards the end. Yeah. You were talking about Edgar Wright moments. Yeah. And this is one of them where oh, yeah. tension, immense tension deflates to just, yeah. Like, comedy yeah, yeah comedy or just like cringe kind of cringeworthy because yeah. you love the jam but he doesn't so you know you kind of go there um and then also the the balls to name the the movie after a obscure paul simon song you know <laughs> <laughs> baby driver but uh yeah that's that's baby driver for me all right all right uh my number two is going to be spider-man homecoming oh just completely exceeded my expectations uh maybe my favorite spider-man still haven't decided on that I rewatched the other ones just to see if I could figure that out, but nope, it's still <laughs> it's still up in the air a little bit. But really, but yeah, Spider Man Two is yeah is my probably my favorite, but Spider Man Homecoming is right there with it. Okay. Like it's hard to say right now at this point what's my favorite one. Before you go any yeah. further, can you say right now that he's better than Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland's? Oh, easily. Okay, yeah, I Andrew Garfield was actually my I don't know, my least favorite one. I yeah. didn't think he was bad, but. I think it was just the movie he was in. Like I did, I wasn't a fan of either the Amazing Spider-Man's. Yeah, really. Gator Kid Spider-Man doesn't really work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like he's not believable as like Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Holland is yeah, like you were saying earlier, he's like the perfect combination of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, it's just it's so rewatchable um, and energetic. Like you were touching on, it's just so fun to watch. Um, I actually the high school scenes in the movie go, going back and rewatching it I realize that I'm more excited to see the high school scenes again than I am like any of the fight scenes mm-hmm. which could be like a negative but I see it as a positive cuz it like all the dialogue scenes are so well done like it's so funny mm-hmm. just you know you get even more comedy watching it you know on repeat viewings um, and also I would be like the twist in the movie is just so flat oh, and crazy like yeah. I did not see it coming like since we're in spoiler territory, I can get into it a little uh, bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Spider-Man, okay, I won't. I won't talk about it a little. I, I won't talk about it in detail. But when he opens the door, yes. and who he sees on the other side of the door, I was literally like, "Wait, is he like? <laughs> he, does he? Did he find out who he was, and he's here to like take him down?" Mm-hmm. And then you find out, oh crap, yes, yeah. that that would have been the second worst scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then that whole scene that plays out was just fantastic. Like with where just the awkwardness involved and everything. Yeah. Just the, the acting on Tom Holland's part is so great. The, yeah, and then, the play on, you know, formal dances and things like yeah. that. Like the moment like is going to be like that weird. Yeah. But then that on top of it. <laughs> yeah. It was so great. And then the I want to I just want to say this. The car scene, the, oh the drive to the, the it's the best scene of dialogue in any Marvel movie so far. It's hard to it's it's. It's top three, like, best scenes in yeah. any Marvel movie. Yeah. But as far as dialogue, like, when I think of best scenes, I think of airport fight scene, mm-hmm. and I think of uh, just, like, the Winter Soldier fight yeah. in mm-hmm. Winter and Captain America Winter Soldier. But as far as, like, dialogue goes, best scene, yeah. hands down, car scene for yeah, me. The, from the tension is just insane yeah. in that. And, and the it's so build, easy. Yeah, the way it just builds. The way, when he, like, pulls the gun out, it's just like, right. what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're just like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. If he's just going to, like attack him right now or what sure. but yeah i love the way that plays out just yeah like 
Michael Keaton's so great in that. Yeah. I, yeah, I loved it. Plays so. on so many conventions uh, expertly. So, uh, moves on to my number one, which is The Big Sick. Yeah. Don't think a movie uh, either of you guys have seen. No. It was, it, I'll be honest, it was my number three before we started recording. And then, mm-hmm. as I was looking at my list, I was like, it is not fair to this movie for it not to be a number one because it's, it is just such a, just a joyride from start. Like, it's not like you know, a happy go lucky movie, but it is just, just so great. Uh, Michael Showalter directed it based on a script by a uh, Camille Ninjani who plays himself. It's a, his, his own real life story. And he just does such a great job bringing his comedic chops because he's a stand up comedian, um, you know, professionally, but also, you know, he's in, you know, uh, Silicon Valley and other stuff as well. So uh, he, there's, there's no surprise that he was great. And I loved him in that, but you know, Holly Hunter, she is, so fantastic this movie. I think she should get an Oscar nomination because she's that great of a supporting okay. uh, female lead in this. And then, you know, Ray Romano is really good in this as well. It is, I mean, just such such a touching story. And then, like, because he is just that kind of prototypical nice guy in a sense. And then things, like, you don't know if things are going to work out or not. And just, like, it takes the typical tropes of a romantic comedy it just flips it upside down instead of um, something tragic happening with like, oh, it's the girlfriend's family or, you know, the guy's family. And like, oh, it's them bonding together with that. It's like, oh, no, the girlfriend's the one like that's in critical condition. And now it's him with their with her parents. And you're like, this is so I've never yeah. seen anything like that before. And it was refreshing. It was smart. And then the fact that it is a true story is just so much more. It kind of makes it hard to believe. But uh, I mean, all the big points of the movie, they stuck to the they 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 stuck to their actual true story um, because it was written by Kamel and his actual uh, his wife. So, spoiler alert for right. <laughs> kind of how that movie turns out. But uh, it it is just it is such such a great movie. Uh, I've already seen it twice. I know I'm going to watch it multiple more times once it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray uh, later this year. And I I cannot recommend this movie enough. Just if you're looking for a funny movie a romantic movie um, if you maybe you're tired of blockbusters because we just got through the summer and you're like i just want something that's different this is about as different as you can get and uh, i have no doubt i took two of my sisters and they both loved it so i have no doubt recommending it to anybody and you'll come out of it loving it so uh, that's my number one awesome i watched uh, the first episode of get shorty which is like about mob bosses trying to like get a Hollywood movie made and mm-hmm. Ray Romano was so good in that. Oh, yeah. And then when I noticed that he was in that, yeah, I got, I hate myself for not having seen that <laughs> right now. Uh, all right. Well, number one for me, what? Not even on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I knew I, I was it's thinking that time. about this. It's that time. N- number one for me, um, you know, probably an early contender for number one for the year, uh, is Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan's latest film. And I I know I'm going to have a great chance to talk about this uh, here, so I'll be short, but Nolan took a a long look at his work, and he saw plot-heavy, dialogue-heavy films that had some kind of, sometimes that people don't appreciate. And he said, all right, let's, let's, let's cut all that out and let's be simple. Three scenes, the most realistic, gritty, jarring film, war film ever put 
on the silver screen and he did it he the physicality the intensity the the hold your breath every second of the film uh that that's dunkirk you know you you're on the ground you're there with these troops they don't have names they don't have backstories they just have one common goal survive and get home and you're not sitting there thinking what's going on you're in the moment you're in that cockpit with tom hardy you're banking left you're banking right you're worried about how much fuel your airplane has and then you realize no that's tom hardy not you uh and just as you go through this movie you see how storytelling at its best you don't need a voiceover you don't need exposition you just need a, the the ticking of Hans Zimmerman's score propelling you forward um, until the end. And the, the cinematography by Hoyt Van Hoima uh, is amazing. Um, just like the steely blue palettes, and then you know that are filled with Kenneth Brogan and Harry Styles or Fionn Whitehead. And uh, you know I'm rambling here, so I'll just go and close it down and let Colton <laughs> kind of take over. I think, I assume. Um, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was it was him saying that we go to the, it was his final emphasis that we go to the theater to have an experience. Whether that be because of like, you know, something heartfelt and emotional like The Big Sick mm-hmm. or something jarring and intense, you know, like Dunkirk on IMAX. Um, and... Yeah, that that's my that's my rant about that real quick. Uh, Colton, what do you got? Uh, yeah, uh, my number one is actually going to be uh, no surprise here. Dunkirk. Captain Underpants. Yeah. Oh, wait. actually, that that would be an honorable mention. Honestly, <laughs> Captain Underpants. Forgot to mention that. Uh, but we're here to talk about Dunkirk right now, Cooper. Mm-hmm. So let's get Sorry. into that a little bit. Um, what it, it what a unique movie going experience, you know? Yeah. Just the the realism of it. The dog fights are fantastic. Um, the way in which it was told was just like the, the structured narratives, like how mm-hmm. like certain characters would show up somewhere else and you're like, Oh, I just saw them in that other scene. I loved the way it was like, I guess the story progressed like that. Cause it was more, it was like more enjoyable to me trying to figure it out and piece it together like that, rather than have it be just a straight narrative, like any other movie would have it or war movie, I guess mm-hmm. to this point, I think it stood out from any other war movie and its uniqueness, just the way it was filmed, how it was all about the experience. I, Full, was fully on board for that, and I was not disappointed. Um, however, if we're going to get into, like, I'm not not necessarily negatives, but sure. I'm going to say that this is, not an, this is not a clear number one for me like I was hoping it would be. Okay. It's, it's still number one, but I don't think it's Nolan's best. All right, fair enough. Um, I don't even know if I put it in his top five. Okay. But that being said... That's a testament to how great Christopher Nolan is. Sure. And this is why I'm such a fan of his. You can call me a Nolanite, whatever. I just appreciate. You call good, yourself a Nolanite. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm a Nolanite, whatever. I appreciate good movies or great movies. And that's ever, like Nolan just keeps turning them out like this. So that's why I'm on board with him. Great movies, even better art. Yes. And that's the way I like to think about this. Because when you think about the man's first work, The Following, Mm-hmm. And then you know how that led to Insomnia and, and then ultimately yeah, um, Memento, you know, Memento and going forward. You think about he shot that movie on like a no budget, 
on the weekends, um, the following, mm-hmm. and then to see him here with Dunkirk, him, you know, getting commissioning Spitfires and shooting those those scenes, you know, in reality, no no CG, no yeah, effects. you're like the whole way, like when you're watching it. Like the same way you're watching War for the Planet of the Apes, you're like, how are they doing with the C- with the CGI? With Dunkirk, you're thinking, how are they doing with this with like the real yeah. stuff? You know, like the planes. Like, how do they actually get that plane to crash like that? Mm-hmm. You know, with them in it, like from a first person view. It's yeah, like, it's crazy. The logistics. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, like it was the culmination of the man's journey. And I don't yeah. know because I have maybe that's why I love this so much. I'm, I'm maybe blind to it, but the guy, you know, dropped out of film school and then just went for it. And mm-hmm. now he's commandeering what looked like a logistical nightmare to get 6,000 extras scrambling <laughs> on the beach, yeah. uh, you know, for an incoming bombing I think he run. just, he demands that respect too Absolutely. at this point in his career. I think like, yeah, just going back to following just like the way he was able, like he filmed that with like friends, I think mm-hmm. on a, yeah, during weekends, like you said. And then, you know, just him writing all of his movies up to that, after that, like Memento was just it, like, just so groundbreaking, like the way, like it's told that's why I think it's like almost necessary to have the narrative in this way just from a Nolan movie perspective because he, he's got to put a stamp on it somehow I think and oh yeah that's that's his stamp on this one because it's like it, it distinguishes it from other war movies but it also keeps you in the action too. Yeah. if you're gonna see the it, mold, it, it, yeah it's relentless it doesn't stop it's right. just it's crazy and you know um I think Cooper not to attack you here but you hit you hit the movie for not having characters you're not not having backstory mm-hmm. but also when you think about world war ii how many people died not many you know like like in my gut i'm thinking that's not the point that's just there's four hundred thousand men there and they don't all know each other's stories they all just mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. they all just know that look that fian whitehead yeah. gives um the character opposite See, to him. Yeah, but... I liked that better than them actually talking to each other because yeah. I found it more believable that they're not going to like, you know, they're just in this stressful situation. They probably don't feel like talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And just like the look they give like, oh, crap, we could get on this boat. Yeah. If we could that... take a stretcher really quick here. I loved that. Right. Just like how it like how there's no need to talk. It just like shows it. And like Nolan trusts the audience enough to understand what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Like and it's not hard to understand either. Like mm-hmm. a lot of his other movies, I don't think they're that hard to understand either. If you're paying attention, which sure. a lot of people don't. Don't sit there and pay attention to the whole thing. And that's probably what he got like interstellar. Like that was the biggest complaint with like a lot of the critics was like, it's too like convoluted of a plot, but it's Mm -hmm. really not if you just watch it and listen to the dialogue. So, I mean, I think, yeah, when he just like cuts the whole, like all of that out of this movie, they don't really have anything to pinpoint as far as like, yeah, the narrative goes. So, so you either just hate it because it, you hate it for what it is mm-hmm. or you love it for what it is. Yeah. And Cooper just came away from it with complete indifference. Which, and to not be fair, even... this is one of his more divisive movies, along with Interstellar, I think. Because mm-hmm. you either love it. Well, I guess you don't either love it or hate it. You either love it, like it a little bit, or don't like it. I mean, all. yeah. The thing is, I still would say I like this movie yeah. a lot. From but, a technical perspective, yes, but, you can't yeah. argue that this is oscar worthy right sure. like it's it's almost like i kind of keep thinking about the revenue with like that movie you know alejandro inarritu does a great job directing that movie but it's it's leo's performance that makes or breaks that movie and i think that's a great movie because of leo's performance the rest of the movie surrounded the plot the everything else things. right yeah great. 
but like the movies that surrounds that the story around that movie you can't it, discredit tom hardy either sure tom yes tom yeah. hardy tom hardy tom hardy is good yeah but like yeah at the end of the day yeah speaking of arguably like, tom hardy yeah tom but yeah i mean tom hardy i can't say he had a good or bad performance Really, I feel like in he Dunkirk. Yeah, see, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going to counteract you there. Um, in Dunkirk, he was one of the standouts for me simply because he was acting with his eyes the whole time. You saw yeah. like, you saw the fear in his eyes when he when he's like trying to figure out how much fuel he has, and when it runs out, just that look he gives where he's just like, you know, just <laughs> stares at his his <laughs> just like rudders going out. You're just like, sure. oh crap, you know, yeah. you feel what he's feeling. Arguably, though, Celia Murphy, Mark Rylance, and Jack Loden are probably. The best because they have more. They, say, they have to be more dynamic, especially I mean, Harry Styles wasn't bad either. I That's thought the, he was the best. Yeah, I mean, I he think, was the best actor in I that think, movie. I thought. I think Fionn Whitehead did really well with not much dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think he's a standout, and I think um, I want to say Tom Hardy's the other standout. Not just because I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. It's just like I just like when people can act like with their eyes like that. Mm-hmm. Like he's done so many times. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like. This is kind of off topic, but have you seen Locke, the um, movie where Tom Hardy's just driving and talking on the phone the entire time? No, it's like no. it's it keeps you invested like the whole time, and it's like an hour and a half mm-hmm. of just him talking on the phone, like in the car. It's crazy. <laughs> like you should definitely check it out. It's it's been on my list for a while. Yeah. I think I chose to watch the drop when I was in my my That's Tom Hardy move instead of that. The one. drop is a good one too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's Dunkirk. And now we will get into trying to rank all of these movies into a consensus list. Uh, I've tallied the numbers. Obviously, since I didn't have Dunkirk on my list, that knocks it down a little bit. But we're we're not going to go by just that. We're going to go by opinion. So our consensus highest movies, Baby Driver. We all have it in our top three. I can mm-hmm. live with that. Are we good with that being our number one? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Because so I would love to put that at number one. But yeah. Baby Driver Dunkirk at one. Come along and <laughs> I will give you guys Dunkirk at two. Since both you guys have it at number one, I think that's fair to give it that such a high spot. We appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, looking at what else we have, um, War for the Planet of the Apes was all in our top five. Mm-hmm. I had it the highest at two. Um, Josh had it at four. Colin had it at five. We go that at three or Logan. I would prefer Planet of the Apes at three. Planet of the Apes. I yeah. could be happy I with you. I could, and I could okay. leave with Logan right behind her. And then Logan, and then if you guys don't mind, could I sneak Big Sick in there? Yeah, it was oh, your number course. one. So. Number five. Yeah. Plus, we haven't seen it, so, so. I'm sure I will love yeah. it when I see it. I just don't want to put it too high, um, just because of my preference. Um, then you want to do it's either Spidey or Wonder Woman. You guys Col- both said Wonder Woman's better, but you I have think. it at you have it at two, so yeah, that's where I think. When I'm I okay saw to give Spider Man. I thought Spider Man was better. They're quite interchangeable for me. Yeah, I, we can give you Spider Man since you had it higher, and me and Josh yeah, so both had it. You guys it both at, had it better at than five. Me. So uh, we have Wonder Woman then, which gives us what seven so far. So let's see what else we have. About get out. Get out. Get out at eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seem fair. Then Lego Batman at nine. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then it's yeah. either John Wick or Detroit, which I think we both we all had John Wick, right? John Wick just missed out on mine. So oh, jo- it did. John Wick okay. just missed out on mine, and then Detroit. I don't think Josh has seen yet. I have not. So I'm okay giving it to John Wick too, since yeah, it's giving, it's like me, eleven or twelve. Like giving, it, is, it is right there on the cusp. And giving Detroit the honorable mention at 
Yeah, at 11. All right. Okay. That wasn't too bad. So, yeah, our our list is, just make sure we got 10 here, just double-checking. Yep, so our consensus list, we have Baby Driver, or we'll start, we'll start at the bottom. Number 10, John Wick 2. Number 9, Lego Batman. Number 8, Get Out. Number 7, Wonder Woman. Number 6, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number 5, The Big Sick. Number 4, Logan. Number 3, Wolf of Planet of the Apes. Number 2, Dunkirk. And number 1, Baby Driver. So... Heck yeah. I'd say that's a pretty good uh, first eight months of the year so far. So we still have yes. uh, a lot of the year to go, plus a ton of Oscar movies that we probably don't even really know about at this point. Because mm-hmm. uh, you would have asked me last year, I'd been like, La La Land? What's that? Moonlight? Yeah. What's that? Like I, La La Land actually last year, I want to say, I remember talking about that and I was just like, not on board. It's a musical. I'm going to pass. <laughs> Hard then, pass. You know, I, I, I was like, one day I was like, you know what? I'll watch this. Yeah. Go to the theater. Man, blown away. Yeah. Top three of the year, easily. So good. Yeah. So uh, we are already over an hour, so we're going to bypass our break just to get to a couple of news topics real quick before we end the show. And our first uh, topic we want to touch on, we got our first official trailer for uh, Mother, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, we had a couple of teasers that came out beforehand of like not really showing anything, but this one actually gave us quite a bit of footage. I don't know what's actually happening in this footage, no. but it looks super interesting and I'm totally on board. It's got a star-studded cast. Uh, Javier Bardem's in there, Jennifer Lawrence, of oh, course, yeah. Ed Harris. Always good to see that guy showing up. And Michelle Pfeiffer just looks so wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, there. Man. Jennifer Lawrence has me there. I, yeah, I, I actually um, I heard about this a long time ago because Jennifer Lawrence was attached to it, but mm-hmm. I had no idea. I still don't know what it's about, but... I don't know. Either. I mean, just like the trailers definitely reassuring that like it's it's good to see her coming back because I mean, other than Passenger, she has been kind of, I mean, Apocalypse, she phoned that in. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying that. <laughs> but like other than like, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, she's like one of my favorite actresses, if not oh, yes. my favorite. So it's going to be great to see her coming back to like mm-hmm. a suspense thriller type movie like this. So I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for this yeah. one. The trailer looks great. So I think it's supposed to be about like. It's as weird as it is. Jennifer Lawrence and Bardem are like married. Yes, and, and then, then Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer just like ran. Like, hey, can we stay here for a while? And then they have a picture of him in the luggage, and he's like, "What are you doing?" In yeah, the luggage? yeah. And it, like a question you wouldn't be asking. Like, right? What? <laughs> so, like, I, so I've heard some theories that some people believe that Harris and Pfeiffer are uh jennifer lawrence is like parents in the movie and they like, mm. come to visit but then like bardem's in on it and some like intervention weird thing i have no idea if that's i, I it's definitely gonna have some type of twist in it yeah i mean it's, gonna, it's aronofsky it's like so cult. i mean yeah, right. there's so many things happening there's like horror stuff in there so i yeah no idea what this movie is actually going to be like there's at like the all the, the stuff with like the stuff turning to ash and yeah. stuff like that it's yeah it's crazy and then there's like isn't there like a huge group of people like outside the house at one uh-huh. point yeah it's like yeah, what what's happening? Yeah. yeah. So, so definitely excited to see what's going on there. For sure. Yeah. So uh, the other news we want to get to, we have Lion King casting. It's almost rounded out the entire cast uh, with John Favreau's Lion King adding two more this week with the Hollywood Reporter revealing Alfrey Woodard uh, has joined the cast as Sarabi. And then the rap revealed that John Connie uh, will voice Rafiki. So uh, I actually just watched Lion King in theaters mm-hmm. yesterday. Nice. It was uh, an incredible experience. I don't think I've ever seen it in theaters because it came out the year i was born so right i don't um, if, if i did see it in theaters i don't remember it of course but that movie was like a staple of my childhood i had the soundtrack i'm pretty sure i had like part of pride rock on like painted on my wall um just 
so great. And then the, get to get Alfre Woodard and John Connie, two uh, Captain America Civil War uh, supporting actors, get in there. Wasn't Alfre Woodard was in Luke Cage, wasn't she? She was, yeah. But yeah. she also was like in Civil War yeah, for, yeah, for that a part minute. where she talks to Tony Stark. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So uh, getting both of them, I think they both fit that. Both mm-hmm. of their roles super well, and when I was watching Lion King yesterday, who's the, who's the Rafiki guy? Uh, John Connie, he plays uh, uh, Black Panther's father. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, like, as I was that. watching that movie, I was like, oh, I can definitely yeah, the, see just the, all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, the in voices there. in it. Yeah, that's gonna match up perfectly. Yeah. So, oh yeah, John Favreau's directing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lion King. Uh, yeah, it's it's already a sure hit. It's gonna. I, be I wonder great. if because watching it again, I kind of had forgotten about how great Hans Zimmer's score was. Mm-hmm. I was Oscar I, winner, wasn't it? It's the only one he's. I think, I think he's won. Maybe I hope they bring him back because. Oh, that'd be great. He, I mean that that score is so good. Mm-hmm. It is. There's always room for improvement, though. I mean, if no. someone's out there who's ready to innovate, I'm always open. It's, um, if, it's if Hans Zimmer's iconic. an option, you got to have Hans Zimmer. Uh, it's pretty iconic. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's my philosophy with every movie, though. Hans Zimmer's doing <laughs> Hans the Zimmer. score. It's going to be great. <laughs> these, are, these are two great ads, yeah. though, for sure. Wilbur is in True Blood and Twelve Years a Slave as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, phenomenal performances there. Yeah, so uh, probably the one of the biggest pieces of news that dropped this week was uh, from Variety, where they reported that Arisa Med is in talks to join uh, Venom as what they, has been described as a quote a popular Marvel character. They won't you know, detail who that is, but depending on which reports you believe and which sources of reporters, um, it may or may not be Carnage. Pretty much everybody's confirmed he auditioned for that role at one point, but then some are like, oh well. The role he's going to get is he's in talks for is not Carnage, but some people keep saying it still is Carnage. So either way, Riz Ahmed is in talks to join the movie. Would you want to see him as Carnage? Uh, yeah, just depending on how they go about it. Um, because the the options for, at least in classic Marvel lore, to pick who becomes Carnage doesn't leave you with any ideal picks for Riz Ahmed to play. Mm-hmm. Like my gut says Cletus Casty, the original uh, host for Carnage, and I just don't think that's a good fit for the guy. Okay. Um, I would like to see him not have to play some kind of like serial killer or accused serial killer. I think he could do that really you well, know, though. You he know could. who I want to see as Carnage, though? I want to see Jim Carrey as Carnage. Dude, I've thought about that. That yeah. would be so cool. But he's, got, he's got the fate. Like, he's, he could pull off crazy. Yeah. I, yeah, Riz Ahmed. I mean, he's a good actor, but I, I don't see him yeah. as Carnage. I mean... Once I, I guess we'll just wait and see. But right. I don't even know if he's going to be playing Carnage, honestly. Yeah. They've been pretty mum on it. My hope is he can enter this world and stay around for it because the guy is a like you said, just he's a phenomenal actor, mm-hmm. and I would hate to see him, you know, tossed into a one and done villain. Right. Or you know, a reoccurring villain, but gets destroyed Plus every time. Fighting like Tom Hardy. Now, that could know. be epic, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I if, they, if, if they I, both have the symbiotes, like they're both yeah, gonna be huge but I mean, and monstrous. Like, just like thinking of them individually, like yeah, I don't know, he just doesn't seem like a good fit to fight Tom Hardy. Yeah, that, that that is true. But I mean, we, we, I'm gonna yeah, I'm guessing Tom Hardy's gonna bulk up for that movie, and like you know, Riz as like Bodhi. That's my only real exposure to yeah. him. That and Nightcrawler, but I where he's just, think just like Nightcrawler. He's, <laughs> the he's a yeah. he's a small guy, so uh, yeah. I mean, Which, in, I mean a, in a fist fight, he'd probably lose, but if there's symbiotes attached, then I mean it's anybody's ball. See, game. I mean, just <laughs> like you, you would say like Tom Hardy versus Jim Carrey sounds like bad, but and like just right. Think about I don't know, just oh, Jim Carrey yeah. like as Carnage is like I mean, Jim Carrey's the be, best. It's almost like he's like made for car. Like if he was gonna mm-hmm. be in a superhero movie, I would definitely like. Yeah, yeah, I've thought about this in the past too. Like yeah. way back when, I've always been like Jim Carrey would be a good yeah. Carnage. So it's not gonna happen. But no, 
We will see, though, for we sure. Will. It would crush the Lin-Manuel hopes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, who knows? If this is a part of the MCU, if Carnage gets brought in a couple of years in the MCU, then then it could be Lin-Manuel's Once turn. Thanos <laughs> gets the reality gem, I anything mean, you know, happen. anything is possible. The Mary Poppins crossover, whew, oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, get Michael Rooker in there. Uh, yeah, so the last story we're going to cover, uh, it's a couple stories from Star Wars Last Jedi. EW kind of did this huge spread. They revealed like seven or eight stories about... Tons of different interviews from all the cast and the director, Ryan Johnson. And at one point, uh, they discussed, or, or Mark Campbell discussed how he, how Luke thought previously, before obviously Ben uh, Solo became Kylo Ren, he thought that Kylo was going to be that, the chosen one and save, you know, bring balance to the Force and do all this stuff, which I think, you know, because he thought that and then he ultimately lost him, I bet that's going to have a big, it's going to be a big factor in why Luke is being very like reclusive and being like, nope, I, I don't want to get back in this. I don't want to train you, Ray, because mm-hmm. I just tried this and it didn't work out so well. Right. Yeah, he probably blames himself a lot too oh, yeah. for that whole thing, and that's probably why he secluded himself from everybody, mm-hmm. just because he he thinks he's going to do more harm than good if he s- sticks around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the quote from the uh, the article is that you know he made a mistake in thinking he was the chosen one, and he feels responsible for that, and you know so. If that, like, it's really interesting for Luke going forward because, like, it's finally him shaking off the rust of, like, the several generations of who's the chosen right. one that, you know, Mace Windu and Yoda threw around. Mm-hmm. So him going back to the Jedi Temple and finally saying, okay, so this whole chosen one thing is not working out for anybody. <laughs> right. And, like, you know, so maybe that's, like, the books and the text that we see in the trailer. And maybe and that's part of the reason why he's, like, if there's no chosen one, then why do there need to be a jet? Why does there even need to be Jedi to begin with? Like, right. They kind of just kind of tumble down yeah. and everything. It's getting into like the super, uh, you know, the, the, the big backstory behind all of star Wars lore. Right. I love it. But we are apparently aren't going to be getting the backstories. Great transition there, Josh, uh, to Luke or Snoke in the last Jedi where uh, them saying that basically that there's going to be big parts of Luke's history that go unanswered and that Snoke, we're going to learn more of, but uh, Ryan Johnson compared him to kind of the emperor in the original trilogy where you don't really know much about the emperor and Palpatine until the sixth movie. And otherwise you're just like, there's floating head there, floating head here. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that's not like a direct comparison. Snoke has a little bit more screen time because I want to see, I want to learn a little bit more about him, but I don't want to know everything. Um, and I think I think a lot of this stuff is being saved for nine. Yeah, they need to do that. Cause but at that point, if if Luke's backstory and what he's been doing between six and seven is saved for nine, if Snoke's identity or backstory is saved to nine, and Ray's parentage is saved till nine, there's got. I mean, Star Wars has big reveals. To, I mean, pretty often. So like, it makes me wonder what's like the big like gotcha moment of the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, they've been hyping this up as a big gotcha <laughs> moment too. So man. I have no idea what it could be. I thought I always thought it was going to be like Ray's lineage, but yeah, I it's gonna it's ending to be something at Luke, based on what they've mm-hmm. been saying. So, man, it seems it seems sort of like a plot. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a fan service, a Star like a Wars device. lore. I, it'll be like a reframing of the series, is what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Luke's Luke's line. The Jedi have to end hangs on the end of that trailer, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps the big, the seismic shift in this will be not, you know, no Luke, I am your father, but it'll be, hey, everything you've seen in the last seven movies, okay, we're gonna flip that all on its head, mm-hmm. and here's this 
brave new world. Right. Like, and, like maybe Luke in all of his journeys, he found some text that he was like, wait, this is what the Jedi were following. They totally misinterpreted something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, their whole thinking, midichlorians, all that stuff is all wrong. Yeah. You can just like get a quick midichlorian reference in there. Mm-hmm. I would give uh, Wait, the prequels never happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would give Ryan Johnson so much credit if he threw a midichlorians oh. reference in somehow. Yeah. Um, oh, man. But yeah. But it just, also... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I have no worries going into this, though. No, I'd be for like, sure. like, just talking about it is making me more excited and you know also though like it doesn't bother like you too it's kind of like a marketing thing or you know as a business you don't want to flush out 30 years of luke skywalker history because Mm -hmm. if you lay all that out there and get it out of the way what's the point of i mean set up 30 years of luke skywalker spinoff books right tell us comics exactly i don't think they'll do like a a quote-unquote young or a (laughs) middle-aged luke uh, story but you know you never know you don't want to having mysteries surround characters is i think a lost art mm-hmm. and i'm glad that they're content with that for yeah. least now i mean yeah as long as they fill in some gaps i think that's that that is more than serviceable and then yeah. leave i don't want everything to answer in eight yeah. because then in nine it's just like well what am i gonna learn in nine yeah we want to oh, walk just a out battle? eight thinking like oh man what could be next right like we like, want to leave like excited to see the next mm-hmm. one versus like, like having everything eight. i left seven and being like oh my gosh like I had all these questions, but it wasn't like, oh, man, that movie sucked because it didn't tell me any of this stuff. It was like, wow, I learned all of this material and all this information, but there's still so much more to learn Mm -hmm. that I can't wait to learn all that stuff. So uh, that's all the news we're going to cover this week just for time reasons. I don't want to go too long for you guys. Um, But next week we'll be back with a a review. We're going to be doing Logan Lucky, the latest from uh, Steven Soderbergh, the director of the Ocean's trilogy uh very excited for that one because he is directing it but also channing tatum adam driver daniel and daniel craig, craig. Yeah. uh it also has a lot of other great supporting cast members i can't think of off the top of my head but uh just looks like a really fun movie i've seen some people say it's better than any of the oceans movies which if that's the case uh watch out my top 10 yes yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody's getting knocked off sorry colossal but uh <laughs> if, if logan lucky's that great uh it's gonna be in there so I'm very much looking forward to reviewing that one next week. Josh, what are yeah. you about? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, you said Adam Driver, Sebastian Stan, Catherine Watterson, Seth MacFarlane, and Hilary Swank. Mm-hmm. Katie Holmes, I think, pops up yeah. in there as well. Yeah, it's it's everyone from the 2000s that you've loved <laughs> now wedged into one movie. And yeah, like in the, the setting is so peculiar too. We don't go to the rural Alabama. I think that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't go there ever in yeah. films. Uh, you know, other than like The Walking Dead. So I'm <laughs> so stoked uh, to be there. And I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm loving it. Now, Colton, you're not going to be on here to review it with us, but are you looking forward to Logan Lucky? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll definitely see that week one that it comes out. So op- hopefully opening weekend. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, after that, there's not really much I'm anticipating till I guess, September or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, after yeah. that, it's the, it'll be the last week of August. Mm-hmm. You're going to be back on to do our basically fall winter preview. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to do our top 10 of the rest of the year that we're looking forward to. Anything you want to tease maybe? I mean, we, Last I mean, Jedi is going to yeah, be on there. Star Wars. Any um, other maybe surprise one you can think of that may get in there? I might have Kingsman higher than you would expect. Okay. 
that's all I can think about okay. right now. Yeah, that's a good tease. We'll have to come back in a couple weeks uh, to hear Colton's full thoughts on the rest of the year, as well as ours, as uh, mine and Josh's. Um, uh, just mine. I'll or, take over. Or just Colton's. Yeah. It'll be a solo episode. <laughs> we'll take a week off just my, for him. Yeah, my opinions <laughs> are, are concrete. There's you guys don't need to say anything. Yeah, that, so. that's fair. Uh, maybe we'll do another consensus list because it seemed like that went pretty well this week. So. Uh, You'll have to come back to uh, obviously hear our thoughts there. But that's all we have for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, over iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments. If you do so, by the end of August, maybe we'll extend it a little bit, you can win a poster prize pack for the summer. It features uh, Planet of the Apes movies, which is obviously one of the movies we loved a lot. Uh, there's a Guardians 2 one in there, Pirates 5, which... It didn't make any of our lists, but it wasn't dishonorable mentions, so it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It was close because <laughs> I was very disappointed with that. <laughs> so I mean, it may not be the best movie, but you could, it has it has a cool poster. So it does. Uh, if you if you want to win that, just leave us a review; it really help us out. Uh, but during our time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by us at Friends and Film. We will see updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Go ahead and check me out at AppleEvenBlue88. Yeah. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Hope podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn in next week for our view of Logan Lucky. <laughs> <laughs>